uh, July month of celebration of our freedom. And uh, it's the, the whole month we're celebrating our independence. And, uh, you know, every year we, we talk about freedom a lot. And as you saw in the intro video, it's so, so important what we have. We don't want to take it for granted. But today what we're going to be starting, we're going to have a two-part series. Uh, if you're here as a guest, we're so, so glad that you're here. Uh, we, we, uh, we built this place for you. We want this place to be about you and, and you having the opportunity uh, to get close to God, to understand who he is and his plan for your life. Uh, but one of the things we're going to talk about today is uh, true freedom. You know, it's amazing that we can live in a country that's free, and yet the truth of the matter is a lot of people aren't free. And there's two types of freedom. There's the, there's the freedom on the outside that, as we saw in the video, you can go wherever you want to go and you can say whatever you want to say. And we have a lot of freedoms and liberties. But there's something else that we don't really acknowledge and deal with, and that's the freedom on the inside. Because so many people live as prisoners, as slaves on the inside. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about that. And I hope it will be helpful for you. And, and these are things that we hit on a regular basis. I want to give a shout-out to all our friends online. Uh, you know, there's many people traveling uh, in different places. The amazing thing is you can listen and watch our service in Mexico, in India. Uh, you obviously got to get up in the middle of the night or something like that. But you can watch our service just about anywhere in the world if you have an online connection. And uh, we've got some people that are watching. Shout-out to you guys, uh, especially to... Uh, our, our song leader, uh, he's not here, our music minister, uh, along with the married, he's a married minister. He does two jobs, two hats. He's not here today because he uh, was taken to the hospital on Friday. So I want to encourage you to pray for him. Jamie Slobodnik, we miss him. We want him back. He is probably watching online from a hospital bed with tubes everywhere and everything. But pray for him. Uh, he's doing much better, but they're not quite sure what it is. So, uh, you know, that's what, it, what we're going to be uh, talking about. But uh, wanted to introduce somebody to you. Where's Ian? Where are you at, Ian? Stand up, Ian. <laughs> Ian uh, was baptized on uh, Friday evening uh, at uh, one of, one of our, our members' house and uh, really wanted to congratulate you and introduce you to the family. Uh, 14 years old, decided to make Jesus Lord of his life. And uh, what a blessing, you know. To start your life off right. You know, and, and no matter where you are, you know, the camp was incredible. And yes, we are investing in the future and next generations. But I want you to know that we, we're investing in everybody. Uh, you know, you may not be a, a, a teenager or a college student. You may be well along in your years. Let me tell you something. God wants to make an investment in your life. And it's never too late to find freedom. And so what we're going to be talking about this week and next week is finding freedom through forgiveness. And forgiveness is a big deal. I've been doing ministry for a long time. And, uh, you know, no question about it, this is one of the big issues that we deal with in church work, in church life. You know, when people come from the outside and, you know, their lives, they've got a lot of stuff going on and a lot of needs one of the big issues is forgiveness, and it happens over and over again. But you could think that in church life, you know, this is the oasis ride, and people are, are holy and righteous. Hey, let me just put a disclaimer out there. And you might want to move your purse and your stuff a little closer if you're a guest here. Okay, just keep an eye on your stuff because we're all X somethings. 
okay? We may look good on the outside, but we were from a different past. And, you know, we, we got this sign over us, work in progress, excuse our mess. Uh, all of us here. And even though we're, we're members of a church, we're still working through stuff. And uh, one of the things that keeps happening over and over again with followers of Jesus is this issue of forgiveness. Because too often you think, well, it's in church and nothing happens in church, right? We all get along. We love each other. Let me tell you, church can be a breeding place for offenses. Because we get sensitized to offenses when we know more, we understand more, we're more sensitive. We get closer to people than maybe we've ever been in our lives. And guess what happens when you get that much closer? It's like a marriage. You get closer to people, you hurt them. And so this issue of forgiveness is big. It's really, really, really big. So we're going to be talking about it this week and next week. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because it really helps me. Uh, it helps me, and I, I do an evaluation on a regular basis to see, hey, where, where am I at? So let's begin. The, the reason why we hit this on a regular basis is for this teaching that, that Peter shares with us. In 2 Peter chapter and he was one of the apostles, followers of Jesus, probably in uh, Jesus' inner circle, you know, the, the three guys that were closest to Jesus. And this is what he writes in his second and last letter. You know, and he's well along in years. He's, a, he's an elder at this point in his life. And so he shares this in his letter. He says, so I will always remind you of these things. I'll do it even though you know them. I'll even do it though you now have deep roots in the truth. I think it is right for me to remind you. It's right as long as I live in this tent, and I'm talking about my body, I know that my tent will soon be removed. Our Lord Jesus Christ has made this clear to me. I hope that you will always be able to remember these things after I'm gone, and I will try very hard to see that you do. You know, you hear, you hear Peter just kind of sharing, hey, guys, I don't want you to miss this. You know, and I'm not going to be around forever. And did he ever get it right that emphasizing things over and over 2,000 years later, we're still looking at his words? I think he did his job right. But me as a minister of this church, of this community, I, I want to repeat it because I think my experience in the last 26 years has been forgiveness is a big deal. It has a huge effect on people's lives. And there were things that Peter and the apostles repeated over and over again. There's things in our church that we repeat over and over again. And one of them is forgiveness. Why? Because it's so big and it reappears every year in some shape or form on a regular basis. How important is forgiveness? It affects our relationships with people. It affects our health and happiness, and we're going to see evidences of that. It affects, you know, so much. It affects our, our, our freedom, our ability to, to uh, somebody could help me with the, uh, the clicker here. For some reason, it's not moving. Always happens. It affects our faith. It affects our prayer life. If you pray in any, in any consistent form, it affects our freedom. You know, what would it be like to live in a, a free country and not be free? You know, and you think about, we celebrate the soldiers that died 
and they're giving their life. You know, and, and, and in these last few years, I look at soldiers differently now. When I see them walking around, I always try to tell them or express to them in some way, directly or indirectly, I want them to know I'm grateful for my freedom and I know that you make a tremendous sacrifice, not only you, but your families. But all that sacrifice so that people will continue to live in bondage? You say, well, how? We live in America. Bondage and their lack of forgiveness. And we're going to look at three areas in this next couple weeks. Number one is forgiveness with each other. Next week, we're going to go a little bit more into forgiveness with God. How do I get forgiven from God? How do I get right with God? And then the last area is forgiving yourself. Forgiving yourself. So many people, they, they, they feel like they have to hold on to stuff that they've done. They have to live in the past and they can't let go of things that they've done, mistakes that they've made. Hey, Jesus didn't die so you can walk, and walk around feeling guilty about the things that you've done in the past. And it's a tricky balance with all those things. But these are, these are huge areas of our lives. So let's look at a passage here from, from Jesus. And look what he says. How important is it in Jesus saying, well, how much of a priority is it for, for Jesus, for God? Mark chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, I tell you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, or sit praying, or kneel praying, or when you're walking around praying, or when you're driving and praying, any position, any time that you're praying, look what he says. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you you, your sins. How important is forgiveness? It's huge. It's, it's so significant. You know, in, in our church too, we emphasize faith. Faith is huge. If you're going to see God work in your life, you've got to believe. Believing is huge, but right, right after Jesus talks about the importance of faith, what does he talk about? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And the effects of a lack of forgiveness... Here's, here's one of the teachings that we understand. Forgiveness is a primary need in our lives. And we know that God's love is unconditional, right? Who agrees with that? We know it. We know that God's love is, is unconditional. He's going to love you no matter what. Now, here's a question for you. Is God's forgiveness unconditional? See, now you, you don't want to answer because you think it's a trick question. It's, it's right there in the passage we just saw. Now, why would, why would God be unconditional in his love but be conditional in his forgiveness? Why would, why would there be a separation? And you would think, well, shouldn't he, shouldn't he forgive us of everything? Yes. He desires to forgive us. If you're a guest here, let me tell you something. The day you were born... God desired to forgive you of everything you're going to do in your life. If you're not saved yet and you're not right with God yet, I want you to know he's been waiting his, your whole life to forgive you. But here's an issue. You've got to forgive other people of the things that they've done with you. 
Now, back in this, let's back up and look at this passage again. He says here, if you hold anything. Now, what's included in anything? Everything. Everything. Great answer. Okay, anyone. Who's included in anyone? Everyone. Wow. Stop and think about that. Is there anybody out there? Is there anything out there? that you've not yet forgiven them of. Anyone, anything. And why does God want us to forgive anyone of anything? So that your Father in heaven may forgive you of your sins. Here's here's something you gotta understand about God. Relationships are so high. It is the highest priority on his value system, on his priority list. What's most important to God? Think about all the things that he's got to do. His to-do list every morning. Universe, gravity. I mean, how many people are asking for prayers and asking for help and, and world peace and all these things? Guess what's on the top of his list? Relationships. Relationship with you is his top priority, and your relationship with other people is his top priority. And he will not forgive you unless you're willing to forgive others. Why? Because when you don't forgive and there's a broken relationship between us, there's a broken relationship with him. It affects him. You say, well, no, 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 that person is that person. It's me and God, me, you, me, God. No, it doesn't work that way. It's a triangle. And that's why it's very difficult to live in community. And that's why church life can be very difficult, because you're close to people. See, if you're out there on your own, you can isolate yourself. You know, and that's why sometimes single people, you know, they don't get into a whole lot of trouble relationally, because they're never really close to anybody. But if you want to risk it and you want to have close relationships whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in community and and relationships, roommates, whatever it is, you're going to risk something. You're going to risk that they're going to offend you. I promise you they will. But forgiveness is what sustains us. It's what keeps us. It's a primary need in our lives. Although we wouldn't say it for men, food is a primary need in our lives. And some of you are like, okay, we better wrap this up because I'm getting hungry. Right? I know, hey, we, we're, we're together on that. Okay, are we going to end at 11? Because I'm waiting. They told me it was going to end at 11. Now, for, for women, for women, what's a primary need in your life? No, not shoes. Not shoes. Okay? Let's be real. A primary need, a primary need in women's lives, love. Women need to be loved. It's a primary need. But let me tell you what's a primary need for all of us. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Is there anyone out there? So I'm going to ask you later in the class today, I I want you to do a personal inventory. If you're a member of this church, if you're a guest, this is optional for you. But I promise you after you hear what you hear today, you're going to weigh in on that option because you're going to see the effects of What can happen? Is there anyone? Is there anything? And you may have to go back a number of years. You may have to go back to some of your your childhood experiences if you haven't. 
and deal with that. It's a big deal. Look what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, in other words, for us it would be if you're coming to church, and Armando talked about the offering, you know, the contribution. If you're going to offer up something to God, think about this. Remember that your brother or sister has something against you. If he has something against you, leave your gift in the front of the altar First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You know, a lot of us come, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you come to church so you can worship, right? Sing to God, pray to God. There's something really special about community worship. We had one of our, 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 our uh, middle schoolers that went up to, you know, the, the uh, camp this past week. One of the nights, the special nights, is when they have the starlight devotional. And you know what they do that night? They look up at the stars and they look at and they marvel at God and they, they sing songs to God up in the sky. And it's up in Idlewild, in the mountains, super clear. And, and you're at the pure air. It's cool. It's crisp. And they sing to God. You know what, you know what Jesus is saying here? Time out on your worship. Time out on your you know, offering to God. Why? Because you've got to get reconciled with your brother. If there's anything going on between you, it blocks, it blocks our connection. That's what Jesus is saying here. So stop what you're doing and go get reconciled with your brother. In a little bit, we're going to take communion for our members. Jesus is saying here, don't take communion if you are not reconciled with your brothers or with a friend or with somebody. And I got to tell you guys, there's times where I don't take communion. It happens. Because I got to make a phone call. Because I got to set up a meeting. See, because I understand if my relationship is not right with other people around me, it, it, it's going to affect my relationship with God. It affects your connection with him. And we do go through so much to stay connected to God. But we got to see the connection. Verse 25, he says, settle matters quickly with your adversaries who are taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Now he's making a connection here. Legal disputes, things that separate people, get them resolved quickly, even if it costs you. What's more important, the dollar sign or getting resolved with people? He's putting in perspective of maybe money or material things. He's saying more than those things, relationships are a higher priority. You know, one of the sad things that I get to see sometimes is in funerals, when I do funerals, is see family members fighting over money. Well, I didn't get my share, and why, and you, and this, and the other. And you go, whoa, are we missing the point here, or what? And it's so sad. And Jesus is doing us a favor here. He's emphasizing relationships over other things. And I've seen so many people get, get hooked on issues that are really not that significant when it comes down to their own relationship with God. The effects of forgiveness. thought you guys would be interested in some, 
some, some outside information, you know, because you come to church and you go, yeah, this is church information. And it's not really, you know, it's the Bible, it's God. And, you know, I'm not really a church person. Hey, listen to what I'm about to share with you. They did this study in Stanford University and it was not faith related at all. It was completely clinical studies. And they, they did it. It was at Stanford University conducted by Dr. Luskin. And it was called the Forgiveness, the Stanford Forgiveness Project. You can go online and read about this. Google it. Read the information yourself. But I thought you might not, so I'm going to give you the information. <laughs> Do you the favor. Here's what they found in the study on forgiveness. Those of you who are you're stubborn and you're like, well, I'm not going to forgive him or I'm not going to forgive him and I'm going to hold this. Listen, you're concerned about your health and we worry about our health, right? Here's what they found in the study. You're healthier when you forgive and when you're forgiven. You do your body a favor when you forgive. Recent research has shown that the act of forgiveness pays dividends in the form of less illness. Who wants to be sick? Anybody want to be sick here today? I mean, real sick, hospital sick. You have less illness, less physical maladies. Some schools of, of thought state that the lack of forgiveness is the root cause of physical illness. And that the first thought you should have when you discover a physical ailment, who do I need to forgive? Think about it. The next little pain you get, little ailment you get, maybe you need to start with the basic question. And this is one school of thought. I'm going to give you, this is kind of extended, but the first thought before you take aspirin, am I okay with everybody? Are we good? He goes on. You're happier and more peaceful when you're forgiven and forgive other people. Human beings are an energy-producing, energy-consuming organism. The state of non-forgiveness along with feelings of vengeance, hate, and self-recrimination drain you of energy. They divert large amounts of your daily energy allotment, leaving you less with less power for positive emotions and enjoying life. Once you learn to forgive, you free up energy that was invested in maintaining your negative emotions. Now you have energy to invest in positive experiences and enjoy your many blessings. You enjoy improved mental health. Recent research shows that people who learn to forgive suffer from fewer incidents of depression than before. In addition, people who forgive experience less anxiety. Before learning to forgive, you, your spirit is struck with a negative emotion such as anger, resentment, or vengeance. When you forgive, you make room for more positive emotions such as love and compassion. It is easier to live in the present moment. Who's ever, who, who ever heard the phrase, live in the moment? Right here. It is easier to stay in the present moment. The process of forgiveness frees you from the tyranny of remembering past hurts. Your spirit no longer is bond to the past. Your mind stops reviewing and reliving grievances. You stop clinging to the victim's role. Doesn't stop. This is what Dr. Luskin said. Getting angry and needing to forgive are universal as a universal phenomena. But the skill to forgive are inadequately taught in our schools of education. 
wow, you know what? Forgiveness, they don't have a curriculum at Cal Poly, I think, Mount Sac, maybe at Azusa Pacific. But most of our universities don't teach on forgiveness. Why is that when it's so powerful? A lack of forgiveness, which often occurs as a result of having been hurt, humiliated, angered, or having suffered fear, loss, feelings of guilt, envy, can be profound effects on the way your body functions. Now get ready for this. Physically, the body is in a state of stress when you're either not forgiven or you don't forgive somebody else. Muscles tighten, causing imbalance or pain in the neck. Oh, I've got a feeling that. Your back, your limbs, blood flow to the joints is restricted, making it more difficult for the blood to remove waste from the tissue and reducing the supply of oxygen and nutrients to the cells. The normal processes of repair and recovery from injury or arthritis are impaired. Clenching the jaws contributes to a problem with teeth and jaw joints. Headaches can become a problem and chronic pain gets worse. Non-faith research has nothing to do with God or the Bible. I think God understood what he was talking about. Jesus understood what he was talking about, and he knows us. One more reason why you need to lean in, if you're a guest here today, you need to lean into what the Bible is teaching because it's so powerful. It's so prevalent. Research is just confirming what Jesus is saying, that it's so important. Look at this, John chapter 8, verse 34 and through 36. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Why did Jesus come? To meet our primary need. And you know what our primary need was? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Jesus came to set you free. Soldiers die to preserve freedom. What are you going to do with that freedom? And as it pertains to our lesson, you've got to think about you, are, you have been set free. You're given the opportunity, but why would you go back and live as somebody who's not free? Because you're not willing to forgive. Or you haven't sought forgiveness from somebody else. Because some of you are the offenders. There are a lot of us here that are the offendees, and we, we're probably more acutely you know, connected to the fact that we've been the ones offended. Guess what? You are an offender also. And, and Jesus is also saying, hey, if you know you've offended somebody, it's your responsibility to go and talk to them and get right with them. By sending Jesus to die on the cross, God shows his predisposition to forgive. Hey, he's ready. He's ready to forgive today. He's ready, willing, and able. He wants to forgive you today. Why wait? You know, it's, it's July 14th. Why are you waiting to be forgiven? Well, I don't know if I can forgive so-and-so. Really? Now, let's just put it on the balance. You've got some stuff that you've done in your lifetime, right? You may have forgotten 
And this is why when we study the Bible with people, we introduce them to God and to the church. We do a life inventory with them. And it's not for us. We don't want to know your, your dirt and your stuff. We have no interest. Everybody's got their stuff. You know why we do that? So that you can get acquainted with who you really are. Because we sweep stuff under the carpet. And we forget it. But it, it always comes back up. So if you really, really want to get free, as it says here, that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If Jesus sets you free, why won't you be free indeed by forgiving your brother? You've got everything in your favor. Make sure you do your part as it means, as it entails getting resolved. We're going to watch a, a video here that I wanted you guys to see as one example. There's so many examples out there. We're going to watch an example of something that happened a number of years ago in Pennsylvania. A whole community was set free by the teachings of Jesus. So let's watch. In the beautiful hills of Pennsylvania, a devout group of Christian people live a simple life without automobiles, electricity, or modern machinery. They work hard and live quiet, peaceful lives separate from the world. Most of their food comes from their own farms. The women sew and knit and weave their clothing, which is modest and plain. They are known as the Amish people. A 32-year-old milk truck driver lived with his family in their nickel mines community. He was not Amish, but his pickup route took him to many of the Amish dairy farms, where he became known as the quiet milkman. Last October, he suddenly lost all reason and control. In his tormented mind, he blamed God for the death of his first child and some unsubstantiated memories. He stormed into the Amish school without any provocation, released the boys and the adults, and tied up ten girls. He shot the girls, killing five and wounding five. Then he took his own life. This shocking violence caused great anguish among the Amish, but no anger. There was hurt, but no hate. Their forgiveness was immediately, collectively, they began to reach out to the milkman's suffering family. As the milkman's family gathered in his home the day after the shootings, an Amish neighbor came over and wrapped his arms around the father of the dead gunman and said, we will forgive you. Amish leaders visited the milkman's wife and children to extend their sympathy, their forgiveness, their help, and their love. About half of the mourners at the milkman's funeral were Amish. In turn, the Amish invited the milkman's family to attend the funeral services of the girls who had been killed. A remarkable peace settled in on the Amish as their faith sustained them during this crisis. It was an amazing outpouring of their complete faith in the Lord's teachings 
in the Sermon on the Mount, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you. So how important was it for the Amish community forgiveness? It was everything. You know, there are a few things that you need to be good at in life. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to even associate your life and your faith with him, you need to be good at forgiving. Why? Because he was so good at it. You know, we all want to teach our children something really, really special, right? We want to leave them a legacy. You want to leave them money and education. You want to better their lives. You know one of the things you need to teach your children? Forgiveness. Because without it, they're going to be a mess. But you not only need to teach your children forgiveness, you need to model forgiveness for your children. I mean, what, what kind of legacy did they leave the next generation, the Amish community? And you watch it on the news all the time. These three girls that were kidnapped in Cleveland, Ohio. You know one of the things that they're going through right now in their therapy in recovering from this horrific, horrific experience? Forgiveness. In an interview this week, one of the girls said, I will not let this situation that happened define me. How do you do that? You got to let it go. And you got to forgive the offender. Oh, you can't forgive him. Look what he did. He's a monster. He's terrible. He's, He's the devil himself. Jesus modeled for us when he was hanging on the cross. What were his words? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Therefore, since we are surrounded, Hebrews 10, uh, 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let me tell you, we have an amazing number of members in our church who have been through horrific experiences in their life. I'm talking rape. I'm talking child molestation when they, by their family members. Awful things have happened to them in their lives. And you know what inspires me about our members, and not just here, but all over the world? Their ability to forgive. And, and not only just to say, oh, yeah, they forgave. No, you look at their heart. You look at their life. They're free. They're not carrying around any baggage anymore because they made a choice. And he says here, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, a lack of forgiveness is a sin. Why? Because it's hurting you, it's hurting other people, and it's hurting God. The Bible's telling us here, get yourself free. Break free. And it says here at the end, run with perseverance the race marked out for you. You may not believe this, but this is what the scriptures teach. God has a race marked out for you. Like this, as clear as this aisle is right here, God has a race marked out for you. He wants to do something with you. He wants to take you somewhere. He wants to show you something. He wants to use your life for something good. But you know what's going to keep you from living that life just like this image here? 
A lack of forgiveness affects you from moving forward. For prisoners, they put these balls and chains on them to prohibit them and keep them from running away. A lack of forgiveness is that ball and chain on your life. It can't get any clearer than that. It affects homes, communities, lives. I've seen, I've seen whole churches be destroyed. Churches of thousands of members be destroyed by a lack of forgiveness. My heart ached. I said, it's impossible. We, we have the answers right here. We're a church of Jesus. And yet there wasn't forgiveness in the church. And they justified the offenses. And it was so sad because it affected the generations to come. History will tell us that whole nations have been destroyed by a lack of forgiveness. And they go on a, on a, on a, on a quest to kill as many of the offenders as possible. That's our history as human beings. Best friends, workplaces, whole companies have been destroyed by a lack of forgiveness. It changes who you are as a person, and it will define your future. We go to school for how long? Some of us. Most, most of our young lives, we go to school. Why? Why do you go to school? To free your future. See, because the mind is a powerful thing, we think. But how can we neglect something so, so significant that it's going to hinder your relationships and your future? Forgiveness is one of the biggest issues people have in their lives. Freedom is one of the biggest struggles people have all over the world. You think about all these protests and all these things that are going on. What are they fighting for? What's the struggle? Freedom. Rights. But it starts here. It's here inside of them. Freedom from anxiety, depression, insecurity, all the consequences that people develop in coping with a lack of forgiveness. So I hope that today you can start over and make a decision. And, and freedom and forgiveness are synonymous. They're one and the same. Look what, it, look what it means here to be set free. Freedom is this, to be set free, to let go, to be released, to be decharged, to be liberated completely. You could, you could exchange freedom for forgiveness right here, to be set free or to set someone free, right? To, be dis, to discharge them. I no longer hold you responsible for what you did to me. I set you free. You and I, we're good. To liberate completely. That's what God does with us. The problem with people with a Christian background, when you put this in the hands of people, this is what can happen sometimes. You start reading the scriptures, and, and you, start, you think that you can be morally justified in not forgiving someone. This is what happens in churches all the time. People have such a conviction now that they know what's right. And they can read you and quote you the verse. Here's what the scriptures say. You're morally justified in not forgiving. But you're spiritually wrong. You're spiritually on your head by not forgiving. That's how significant it is. So we have to be careful with what we know. And always and always, just like Jesus, so ready, willing to forgive, to set people free, to let them go, to let them off the hook. Well, they haven't apologized to me yet. Really? 
When Jesus was hanging on the cross, did he wait for the people, the Pharisees, who were screaming at him, who were cursing his name, who were saying all kinds of horrible things? Here he is dying for us on the cross. And what did he say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Did he wait for them to initiate forgiveness? People don't have to apologize to you. You need to be the initiator of asking or giving them forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to run through this quickly here. In your, anger, do the, do, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. How important is it to forgive quickly? Do it today. Do it today before the sun goes down. You're on the clock, according to God. It's your choice. He's not going to obligate you. But if you want to be free, if you want to be forgiven, get it done. But what's he saying here? Before the sun goes down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold, why is this so important to get it done quickly? You know what happens with a lack of forgiveness? It mutates. It, it becomes like the gremlins. Remember the, those little, you know, evil that you pour a little water on them and they, they, they multiply and they become nasty and ugly. And that's what a lack of forgiveness does. It mutates into bitterness. And you go from a happy person to an angry person. The smile gets inverted and your wrinkles and your ugliness and your eyes are sapped of energy all because you didn't let them go and you won't set them free. And this passage isn't just for married people. It's for all relationships. We use it a lot in our church in the context of marriage, but it's for everybody. Look at the reason why God forgives, why he's so ready to forgive. Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for whose sake? For my own sake, God says, and remember your sins no more. So why should you forgive? To let the other person off? No, you're letting yourself off. You're deciding that you're not going to carry around their garbage. And you're saying, you know what? It's their deal. They're a mess. So I'm letting it go for my sake. You know why God is so willing to forgive? Because he doesn't want to get all entangled in our drama and our stuff. He's setting us free. You entangle yourself because not only is the offense of the offender hurting you, but you become like them because you won't forgive them. It gets a double interest payment on both of you, the offender and the offendee. You can, you can free yourself from that quickly. You can just say, well, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive them from here. Now, forgiving people does not mean that you coexist with them. There may be people that are offenders that it's not a healthy thing to have a good relationship, a close relationship with you because you know it's going to keep happening. So what do you do? You have a healthy boundary between you and that hurtful person. But the forgiveness is always available, and you're at peace. We're going to talk about more, more stuff next week so uh, we can get into that. It sets us free from the effects of other people's sin, and we don't need to carry around other people's baggage. We're gonna, there's a video here, but we're going to skip it. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a decision that you make. So 
And to close everything out, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but how many times? In a day? See, now, Jesus, Peter's, Peter wants a star here. He wants, a, a, you know, some kind of notoriety. Because for the, for the Jews, the Pharisees, three to four times was ultra-spiritual. If you forgave somebody three times in a day, four times you were ultra-spiritual. You were, you got a star. So Peter says, I'm going to take it higher, Jesus. I'm going to go seven times. Aren't I awesome? Jesus says, no, you're not. Here's the new bar that I set. Seventy-seven times in one day? Basically, Jesus is using this number here as an infinite number, meaning no limit on forgiveness. People are going to walk all over me if I forgive them. They're going to take advantage of me if I forgive them. Hey, I'm not saying that you allow yourself to be, you know, abused, but what I'm saying is you let them go. You forgive them. You don't have to necessarily allow them to keep hurting you. You distance yourself from that person. But forgiveness needs to be immediate. And as many times as it takes, that's why you don't carry around the side effects. Love never fails, and forgiveness should not fail either. Is forgiveness failing in your life? Have you drawn the line with somebody? And then this is the last example. I want us to watch this before we close out. An incredible example. Of forgiveness. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20 and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow, she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, 
who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience of one. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Minneapolis. all you've done. Good stuff. But I want to ask you, what are you holding on to? What have you not done to extend and get forgiveness yourself for the things that you've done to other people? It's a big deal, guys. And so I want to encourage you today as we, we close out, I'm going to give you some, some things to do. This is for our members. I'd like for you to sit down with your children and talk about this this week. Have a family devotional and talk about forgiveness. Read maybe one of the passages on the back of your newsletter. A lot of the questions, you could just take some of that. Talk with your children. I also want to encourage you to talk to people about how much God has forgiven you of. Let people know you're forgiven. You don't walk around carrying stuff. What a gift that is and to initiate talking to people about the area of forgiveness and be the new man and new woman. Don't walk around carrying stuff from the past. So if you're in a right relationship with God and a right relationship with your brothers and sisters, let's pray for the communion. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for what you teach us to protect us, God. It's amazing, your word how it saves us from destroying our lives and the lives of people around us. God, we live in a dark world full of hate, full of violence, full of corruption. But God, you give us the ability to be set free and not carry it around and not be suffering the side effects that everyone else has. God, we uh, thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins, to bleed for us, and to hang on the cross and say the words, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive us for not being full of mercy, for not being better at forgiving. I pray that you'll give us a new beginning and help us to be a people, a community that it's really great at forgiving. God, we love you and bless this communion. Thank you for Jesus. We lift him up at this time because without him, we, there's no point in even talking about forgiveness. He is the foundation of everything that we believe 
and we remember his body and his blood at this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.